Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. I'm John Moorhead. I'm the host of the podcast for Multi-Faith Matters. And my guest today is Ida Glazer. Did I pronounce that last name correct? No, I didn't. <laughs> Ida Glaser. Ida Glaser. See, I, I knew I should have asked that ahead of time, but my confidence level was far too high. Uh, <laughs> Ida, uh, I'll read her her bio and folks can look in the program notes and uh, find this bio and links to her work and, and this type of thing. But for the purposes of introduction, Ida leads the Reading the Bible in the Context of Islam Project at the Center for Muslim Christian Studies in Oxford. And she is the director for the Center of Muslim Christian Studies in Houston, where she is uh, coming to us uh, from today. She's responsible for reading the Bible in the context of Islam Research Project, and she oversees the International Partnership and the Langham Bible Commentaries from Muslim Context Projects on behalf of the Solomon Academic Trust. Is there anything you'd like to add to that bio? Is that still updated for you? I'm a normal human being as well. (laughs) That is true. That is true. In addition to all the great and wonderful things you do, I want to welcome you to the podcast and thanks for coming on. It's good to have you here. Uh, I like to begin with my conversations with a a personal note. How did you develop a personal as well as academic interest that you bring to bear on the various projects that you're involved in? Okay, well, I I come from an an interfaith family Mm. in that my father was Jewish and my mother was not Jewish. And that's another long story. So um, I I realized as I grew older in myself that coming from that cross-cultural and cross-religious family has clearly impacted the way that I deal with life and with the universe Um, at the age of 17 God clearly called me to be a missionary and it became clear at 19 that he was calling me to Muslims so when I completed my first degree which was in physics from Imperial College London I went and taught Muslims Muslim girls in a school in Malaysia for a while um, and it, it went on from there because I'm the sort of person who always thinks about what I'm doing so um I I didn't get into academic study of either Islam or Christianity at all um, for quite a long time. So I I did an MPhil in theoretical space physics. Um, I did some more teaching both in the UK and internationally. And then um, I returned to the UK and went to work in a rough, tough inner city area, actually in my hometown in the UK, where you have the newest immigrants from Pakistan and Bangladesh um, coming into an area with the most deprived of the white people. So the kind of area, it was 80% unemployment and um, impossible to insure a car against spiral theft if you were gonna park it in my street. That kind of area. So you can imagine it was not easy for the new immigrants coming in and my job was to try and help a, a, a small church I mean I mean really small not just small in American terms but small in Brit- British terms 
to develop relationships into that community and to reach out. Um, so I stayed that there for 13 years. And in the course of that, I did a PhD uh, reading the early chapters of Genesis alongside the parallel Quranic material and seeing how it related to my context there. Um, and from, from there, I went step by step <laughs> further into academia. So I, I did some teaching in Birmingham, and then we set up a Centre for Muslim Christian Studies um, in Edinburgh, uh, collaborating with the Department of Islamic and Middle Eastern Studies there. And then we moved it down to Oxford. So Wonderful. Yeah, I, I mentioned this during the introduction when I was reading your bio. You're, you're involved in an intriguing project called Reading the Bible in the Context of Islam. And in our conversation before we started recording, you mentioned that this is a process of study. Can you explain what that's about? Yeah. Well, when you read the Bible, you read it in a con in, in a context. So a large portion of the world is Islamic. So we need to read the Bible in the context of the world that we live in. And therefore, there's a sense in which we read the Bible in the context of a world with lots of Muslims in, whether we like it or not. Um, Muslims also read the Bible. Not all of them, but some of them do. And you'll find an increasing number of, of Muslim academics who are trying to grapple with the Bible. Um, and it's interesting that over the last century, but even beginning in the 19th century, there have been a number of, of Muslim commentators on the Quran who've actually been using the Bible to help them to understand the Quran. So there's a whole area there where it kind of happens, but it, it it hasn't happened very deliberately or thoughtfully. So one of my uh, visions, which I believe is a God-given vision for life, is to what I call let the Bible loose on this Muslim-Christian interface. So encourage Muslims to, to read it, and not just to read it um, because a missionary is asking them or because they, you know, they think they're on a journey to Christianity, but to read it in its own right. Because obviously the Quran, in my view, tells them to read the Bible. <laughs> um, but then for Christians, there's another whole raft of agendas. So the Bible is an area that Muslims and Christians have argued over for centuries. What do we do with that history when we read the Bible as Christians? Um, can we get through that kind of polemical history to actually understanding why Muslims are thinking that way. Can Muslims get through it to actually understand Christian interpretations of the Bible? Um, then there's the fact that the Quran uses the Bible a great deal. So what does it do if we take the Quran seriously as, um, well, the academic term might be as part of the reception history of the Bible, or even as I have argued, as a commentary on the Bible, is very often what the Quran is doing is saying, we're going to tell you the lessons that you need to learn from this, that or the other biblical story. Um, or even this is the true interpretation of it. So it does in that way function as an authoritative commentary. What happens if Christian people actually listen to that commentary, ask where does it come from? Um, does it actually 
shed any new light on the biblical text? Does it take us into a perspective on the text? So let me give you an example. Um, say we're reading the story of, and, and this is a classic one for interfaith relationship, uh, Abraham's three visitors. Now, Christians reading that tend to take it as a picture of the Trinity. The version of it in the Quran becomes a paradigm for Abraham's hospitality to those visitors. So if you want to know what the, what the Quran has to teach about hospitality, you go to that story. Ooh, that's interesting. And one of the things you notice in the story is that Abraham is frightened of the visitors. Why is that? Because they don't eat. Very interesting. Now take that back into the biblical text, but also into what the rabbis had to say about the text. And you discover that the rabbis see this not only as Abraham practicing the virtue of hospitality, but also the Shekinah as the paradigm guest. And one of the questions they ask is, well, if this was the Lord of the angels, how could they eat? And here is the Shekinah being such a gracious guest that somehow the angels managed to eat or at least appear to eat. I, that, that's one very small example, and we, you know, we could spend an hour discussing it. But th the way that the interaction with the Quranic material and taking it seriously can take us back again and again to the biblical text. Um, and then, so that's history, this intertextual stuff, but there's also all the, um, the cultural stuff. And what you find when you read in Islamic context again and again is that the Islamic cultures are much nearer to the biblical cultures than any American culture ever would be. Um, so let me give you a wonderful example from Uzbekistan. So in Uzbekistan, they have Job's well, Job's spring. Um, you know, he came from the land of Oz. So the Uzbeks will tell you this is where he came from. And they have a family tradition where the fam extended family will meet together once a month and they all get dressed up in their fine clothes and they'll have a special dinner and they will ask forgiveness for each other for what has happened during the past month. Well, I mean, it comes straight out of Job chapter one. So for the Uzbeks reading Job, um, they, can, they can tell us about it. And that happens again and again and again. Can you uh, remind listeners and viewers as to why consideration of the different contexts and reading communities and so on is important? And the reason I ask is not just to, to bring that out as to what you're doing in your study, but I ran into many American Christians uh, who say they've read the Quran and they come away with it with a very select interpretation, emphasizing violence, and, and they, they apply a very Protestant way of reading the Bible to the Quranic text. Why is context and history so important? 
Okay. Well, first of all, um, can I challenge the idea that a Protestant reading of the Bible does not take context and history into account? Of course, yes. <laughs> I, I, there, there are many readings of the Bible that don't, um, and, and that is a terrible problem. Um, I think of the reading of the Bible as functioning with three, three worlds. So there's the world behind the text, that's the world that produces the text, out of which it comes. And when you're reading the Bible, you can kind of use it as a window on that world and you can look through and see, oh, there's a different world there. So if you read Abraham's story, then there are all sorts of things you might ask about, um, you know, why, why was he sitting outside the, the house? Um, why did he jump up? Why did he press them to stay? Um, why did he divide the, the work between himself and his wife in the way that he did? There's lots of questions that you can't answer unless you can kind of look through to the world behind the text and find somebody who can tell you what was going on. Uh, and we thank God that there's lots and lots of work being done on the world behind the Old Testament text. Um, then there's the world of the text itself. So that's a bit like looking at the text as if it was a picture. So, you know, we do the literary analysis and see, you know, what are the repeated words in this? And where does this stand in the text? And what is this story doing? What's the structure of it? And so on. And all that needs to be done in order to understand the text. Now, what very often happens when we read it in the world behind the text is that we don't bother with all that stuff. We use the text not as a window or as a picture, but as a mirror. And what do you see when you look in the mirror? You see yourself. So I look in that mirror and I see um, the people walking past me in the street here. I see the people knocking on the door coming to tea with me here. story maybe it doesn't matter too much but if you read a passage like the Deuteronomy passage that says have no mercy on the Canaanites when you get to Israel uh, go and kill them and smash all their altars and so on if you read that and you look it in the mirror and you think aha the Canaanites are my Muslim neighbors or my Democrat neighbors or my Republican neighbors or whatever that means I should go and kill them. You are in trouble. You need to know why was that text written? What was the ancient context? What's it doing here in Deuteronomy? How does it relate to the rest of the Bible? How does it relate to Jesus teaching about loving your enemies and <laughs> so on? And of course, it's a similar thing if you're reading the Quran. Um, you can find passages in the Quran that say, kill the unbelievers wherever you find them. Um, of course, if you go on to the end of that very same verse, it talks it 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 qualifies that and limits it and tells you when you should forgive them and so on. Um, but if you dig into the world behind the text, you will discover when that was given, in which particular context in the life of Muhammad. Um, and if you look at the Islamic scholarship on this, you will see um, analysis of it in terms of when it was given. Um, and 
what it means within its context. And there's an ongoing discussion within Islamic law as, as to when this might be appropriate, when it might not be appropriate. So that most people, with the odd exception, like the ISIS people, would now say there's hardly any occasion in the present world when that verse could be applied. So yeah. that answers your question. Oh, yes, most definitely. What kinds of uh, reactions have you gotten from folks as you bring them together for this mutual reading of, and com comparison of these scriptures? Okay, so um, we, we function at different levels. So at an academic level, we tend to have... Um, academic conferences where we invite papers from both Muslims and Christian scholars. Um, so currently we've got one going on Daniel um, and we've got one in the pipeline for publication on reading the gospels in Islamic context. Um, so we get a variety of offerings, you know, historical offerings and you know, sort of history of Islamic views of the gospel or um, how this passage in the Quran relates to this passage in the Gospels, a whole, a whole variety of academic papers. Um, and when we meet to read them together, we have very cordial relations and all sorts of interesting discussions uh, and relationships develop. Um, the, the other, th then we have occasions where we sit and study the, the text together. Um, so here in Houston, we have a, a regular Thursday evening informal event where Muslims and Christians come together. We have a cup of tea. We have a topic. We, we look at it in the Quran and the Bible. We discuss it and then we have dinner together. Um, a variety of reactions. Um, some people absolutely love it. Um, some of the more conservative Christians and a few of the more conservative Muslims, uh, they want to argue with each other and uh, they find it difficult to focus on the study of the text. So I have a habit of bringing them back to the text and some of them um, aren't so comfortable with that. So some people hang in, some people don't, some people just come for one session and find it, it turns their world world upside down <laughs> and study. Um, and then, then we have more formal study courses. We, we do online courses from here. Um, and one of the, the two of them are on reading the Quran and the Bible. Um, we get, again, we get a mixture of people from different countries. Um, and, and many of them are really interested in improving Christian-Muslim relations. So we've, we've got a, a regular group in northern Nigeria where <laughs> they obviously want to improve Christian-Muslim relations. Um, you know, so, some are trying to understand each other better so they can evangelize each other. Um, and, and then the other project we have is the, from these commentaries from Muslim contexts. Um, so the first one I, I've co-authored with a team of, of believers in Jesus from Muslim background. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I've had some very, very warm responses to that, particularly from um, Muslim people who are delighted to see us taking the Quran seriously in, in the exegesis of the Bible, and partly from uh, Muslim background believers who are just like, wow, here at last is something on the Bible that speaks our language and <laughs> comes out of our context. 
Well, it sounds like people are enjoying this study and using it in a variety of different yeah. applications yeah. in their own life. Okay. Yes. I mean, some people are very suspicious of it. It's like, right. especially, um, you know, you get some some of the more conservative Christians who who fear that by studying the Bible, you're implying its authority. Um, and there are some, of course, who go so far as if, if, if we dare if anybody dares suggests that Muslims and Christians are actually talking about the same God, they they think that we're heretics. So, you know, but, but, but those sort of people generally wouldn't come. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One one of your books that I, I enjoyed, I think it was the first one that I picked up, The Bible and Other Faiths, What mm -hmm. Does the Lord Require of Us? Mm -hmm. You urge Christians to focus on their own responsibilities yes. and other people's welfare. Mm -hmm. um, in the American context, we tend to focus on uh, more defensive kinds of approaches, apologetics mm -hmm. and evangelism. What would you say about how would your work inform a need to broaden our response in light of considering the other's welfare? Yes, I mean, I think inform is the word. Um, and it does it in, I think, in all sorts of ways. We have a lot of people in the States who, who, I mean, both Christians and Muslims, really, who's, who, whose main agenda is the apologetic one. Um, so one of the things that happens when we sit together is that people begin to realize that the apologetics that they've been involved in is actually not effective <laughs> because it's not taking into account the reality of the other people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think of one person who came and said, well, I, you know, I'd done this study of Islam, but then when I started actually meeting Muslims, I discovered that <laughs> it didn't match the Muslims, you know. Um, so it, it helps people to realize that the, the people of the other faith are actually thinking people. They're not stupid, but that they think from different perspectives. They have different frameworks of thinking. And that begins people on a journey of actually trying to understand. So that's a hugely important journey. Um, one of the things that opening up the texts does is it makes you pay attention to the texts. And it seems to me that people who have this focus on polemics, apologetics, are often not actually paying attention either to their own texts or to the other's texts. Um, and if you actually read the Gospels thoroughly and ask yourself questions like, um, how did Jesus treat the religious people of his time? There's a lot of strong parallels between them and the Muslims. You'll see a mixture of approaches and you'll see how the whole thing, even when he confronts them, it's motivated by his love for them and his his longing for them and i, I it, it's my belief that uh, people's minds change through encounter largely through encounter with scripture at least they change towards the positive so encounter with the world outside and you move away from truth and righteousness and love and justice encounter the scripture and it's going to 
it's going to call you back. So information development. Um, and I think the other the other the other thing is that what one of the sort of one of the things we study is history. History of Muslim Christian dialogue we're studying at the moment in one of our online courses. And the study of history helps you to see your own situation as part of a flow. Um, I, I, I mean, this is classic stuff. If you think in terms of fears that go beyond the rational, or if you think of uh, situations of trauma, trauma is an area that I've written about quite considerably. Um, one of the things that happens is that you see yourself and your community and your situation as a special case. Um, and you start fighting for your special case. Whereas if you read history, you realize that actually you're not a special case. You're part of the flow of something much bigger. And also if you read history, you recognize that different people have different views of history. So you begin to recognize that actually it's not only the Christians that have views of Muslims. Muslims also have views of Christians. So um, Mrs. Whoever it is down the road in Houston, are you frightened of what might happen as the Muslim refugees come in here from Afghanistan, say? Did you know that there are Muslim students sitting here in, in, in Rice University just over the road who when they first came to America, were really worried as to whether it would be safe for them to walk down the street here wearing a hijab or whatever, because they had heard so much about the guns in America and about how Americans won't accept Muslims. So when you look at the history and you see this repeated again and again in different places in different times as you, you get the flow of the the Islamic empires and 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 and, and the European empires and so on, um, and 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 you you begin to see the humanity of the situation. Your situation gets normalised, um, and and you start to be able to see that other people have survived, and maybe you will too. <laughs> well, it's good to take a, a broader historical perspective, mm -hmm. uh, certainly. The way you and I were able to connect was uh, I co-edited a volume on multi-faith and emotions with Brandon Benziger, and he let me know about your chapter contribution to a book that he edited. Can you tell us a little bit about your chapter and how it fits within the broader thesis of the book? Well, I don't know how it fits within the broader thesis okay. of the book because I haven't <laughs> read the book. Um, and I don't even know if the book has a broad thesis. It's about what you can do with 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 um, biblical education. Okay. So if, you, if you've done a degree in biblical studies, where might it lead you? Hmm. So they've got people who are, are teaching in academia, um, librarians, pastors, a whole variety. And then they've got a section kind of on other and that includes the um, people who are working cross-culturally. Now, personally, um, I think it's, it's very strange to have a separate section where people who are working cross-culturally are somehow the other. And we had I had this discussion <laughs> with Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so, so mine is a chapter basically on a bit on my career. How did I get where I where I got with some of the ideas that I just shared with you, but much more of a focus on the academic journey um, uh, and reflecting a little bit on the the importance of biblical study in Islamic context um, and, and on, on the challenges for interpreting the Bible in, in Islamic contexts. And then um, suggesting to people, but first of all, that it's, it's a very great joy doing this, partly because it opens up the te biblical text again and again and again. Um, but partly because it is so exciting seeing people respond. So, um, you know, when, when you have a, as a student, somebody who is teaching Christianity, a Muslim who's teaching Christianity in a major Christian university, sorry, in a major Islamic university in the Middle East, and you, you see them grappling and, and discussing and thinking about how this is going to affect their teaching, it's really exciting. And similarly, when, when you see um, somebody who's working with refugees here in Houston saying, oh, so this helps me to understand the women that I'm working with. It, it's very exciting. Um, and the other thing that I had to do in this chapter was to make recommendations for people who might want to go a similar route academically. Um, and that was extremely difficult because, like I said to you, um, I did my first, actually my first two degrees in physics. So I've got an, an MPhil in theoretical physics from Imperial College in London. Um, so I didn't go down an academic path that I would recommend <laughs> to people. Um, you know, all I could say basically is if, if you've got a creative mind, hand it over 100% to the Lord and see what he does with it. Um, but having said that, you know, you're going to need to, if you want to go this way, you need to get, you're going to need to study Greek, Hebrew and Arabic <laughs> before you've begun. You're, need, you're going to, if you're a Christian, you're going to need to go somewhere where you actually live in an Islamic culture and, and get to know people well. Um, and and some, some of those basic ideas of people who want to have a go. Well, uh, as we bring our conversation to a close, as you reflect, you mentioned the broader scope of history and to recognize mm -hmm. our place within it. As you reflect on your work over the years, uh, what do you hope that that your work, what kind of lasting impact do you hope it will have in the flow of, of history? What's your contribution? Wow. What a question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the the major thing is that it will be getting people to write, read the Bible more and differently. Mm. Um, so th this series of Bible commentaries from Muslim contexts are some people who are thinking hard about their translations of the Bible in Muslim contexts and how to um, you know, annotate the texts and so on. But in terms of serious full Bible commentaries that put the, 
the Quran, the, the, the Bible in conversation with the Quran and the Islamic culture that it's ever been done before. Mm -hmm. So there are some commentaries written in Arabic around the 10th century. But this is such a pioneering thing. So, yeah, I think the setting off of that commentary series um, might be, if I had to choose one thing, <laughs> the, well, well, the single thing. Maybe uh, maybe a part of that uh, legacy will hopefully others will come and take that baton, baton and carry continue the yes. race. Yes. And the other thing is that, you know, there aren't that many women in biblical studies. There aren't that many women in Islamic studies. Um, the voice of women in, missio, in, in, in mission studies and so on is rather muted. So I do find that quite often people find it encouraging, women find it encouraging to see what I've done. So maybe part of the legacy will be increasing numbers of women um, functioning in, in, in all those disciplines and making the contribution that the world hugely needs from 50% of its population. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> well, I have certainly benefited uh, from the work that, uh, that you have done. I, I enjoy it immensely. And my hope is that this will help uh, put your work on other people's radar in my audience. And uh, I, I thank you for for taking the time and uh, and coming on the program, even though uh, it was through an invitation from another and you really uh, didn't know what we were about. Uh, I appreciate you sharing. <laughs>